Hello and welcome to the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. This podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge to live a healthy and happy life. My ethos is sustainability and my aim is to leave you better than I found you. I am a complete foodie, lover of all animals, recovering perfectionist, with a passion to help many achieve a life of health and well-being. I hope you take a lot from this podcast and thank you so much for tuning in. Good morning everyone and welcome to your live. I hope everybody's well, had a fabulous week going to be really British and start this as I always do comment on the weather <laughs> because it has been awful this week let me tell you it's been really cold but it looks like the sun is shining and let me tell you whilst I say Edith is my best friend the sun is also up there as well because I absolutely love it and it just makes everything so much brighter right it really does anyway let's get cracking um really good questions again this week really good questions okay so first one how do I know how much to eat like how do I know I've eaten the calories with not tracking I've been used to eating say 1900 calories and tracking so how do I know if I'm eating enough or too much really interesting isn't it when we consider like these external influences and I mean influences because like my fitness pal and I was having a really interesting conversation with one of you guys last night in terms of like the hunger scale and I, I sent her off and I was like when you put your evening meal tonight like think about the hunger scale think about where you're sitting on that hunger scale because it becomes quite habitual for people to especially when they're in an environment where they feel like safest most content stay at home you plate up a meal and you just eat all of the food on the plate but actually you may not be registering complete satiety or you may be eating past fullness but it's like a rule that you've implemented especially in your environment and probably grown up with well I'll just eat it all because it's there and that's where my fitness pal comes in as well, because a lot of people at some point will have tracked calories, will have counted sins, will have used a number as a way of like validating what they're eating or giving themselves permission to eat. Now, that's not me dismissing tracking. Tracking has a place and it serves purpose for a lot of people. Some people it doesn't. It's also individual. But what what happens is it disconnects the mind from the body. And then if you have, say, like followed years and years and years of dieting, then you've been used to always coming under your fullness. Because, of course, to elicit fat loss, you you can't be eating to complete fullness and complete satiety. You have to be like leaving that buffer that creates that negative energy balance. So then you've got this complete disconnection and all you've ever used is like my fitness pal. Well, that's going to, that my fitness pal is allowing me to eat this as opposed to listening to your body, as opposed to connecting with your body. And realistically, well, to start with, my fitness pal is inaccurate. It's around about 20% inaccurate because of food labels. That's for another podcast. However, to start building on, it's building on trust and it's building on confidence and it's building on internal recognition where we're reconnecting the mind to the body and you're making choices for yourself. 
So you're sitting quite comfortably. So the hunger scale is so powerful in this. Alongside the hunger scale, taking some really deep belly breaths before you're eating. A lot of the time now we are living in this complete stressed state, right? complete aggravation, like frustration, or just aroused, like maybe it's work, maybe it's commitments with children, maybe it's just commitments with life, everything is really fast paced now. That engages what's known as our sympathetic nervous system, which is our stress response, and it downregulates our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our uh, um, like rest and digest. So if you're taking like five grounding belly breaths, before you're eating you're going to help engage your parasympathetic nervous tone and you're going to ground you back to the moment and then crack on with your meal and then when you're eating your meal like make sure that you're slowing your pace of eating down make sure that you're really honoring like an amount of time to eat your meal and that might just be five ten minutes but it allows you then to tune in to how you feel and if you have a rule whereby you must eat all the food on your plate question that do you need to eat all the food on your plate? Or was that something that you grew up with? Was that a story that you were told that you can't have a dessert if you don't eat everything on your plate? And what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you don't eat everything on your plate? If you don't want to waste food, can you save that for another day? Can you have that later on if you find that you are hungry again? And there are, realistically, there are going to be days when maybe you do eat a little bit above, maybe you do eat a little bit below. And it's also building on emotional regulation and it's building on tools to help you in moments where you are stressed and when perhaps you are dysregulated, that you're not leaning on food. And that's where building self-awareness and having tools like breathing, but having tools like journaling, looking at the emotional wheel and, and taking some breaths throughout the day can help you then differentiate between psychological hunger and physical hunger, because that's the big player as well. So if we're always responding to psychological hunger, that's when it's like, um, could be emotionally driven, could be stress driven. And that overrides like your physical hunger. A lot of the time people will say, well, I'm always hungry. I'm always hungry. Well, yeah, you're always using energy, but is that actual hunger, like physical hunger in your stomach or is that more of a psychological demand because you're bored, because you're stressed, because you're aggravated, because you're feeling somewhat anxious? So there's quite a lot to take into consideration. But to start with, I would be using the hunger scale, which you've all got access to within the vault. And I would also be looking at emotional regulation tools. And a lot of people dismiss the mindfulness side of it. A lot of people dismiss things like breathing, but we forget to breathe in these situations. And that Victor Franklin quote that I always come back to, like between stimulus and response, there is space. And within that space, we have choice. And that's that choice is where you find the growth. I think I just completely de- like, I think I just completely got that around my neck, but I didn't, that was not word for word, obviously. So please forgive me for that. But in that space is where you've got the chance to take a pause and where you can literally just say, stop, breathe. And part of the mindful eating, some of that is deep breathing, because of course, with commitments that are really high, we're not always going to have the capacity to like, check in with your emotions, um, like, um, like take into account all of your environment like if you're um like I know a lot of you are NHS and have got nursing jobs I'm not going to be able to do that some of you might not even be able to sit at a table like but you can take a breath you can all pause and take a breath and then give yourself capacity to eat your food and then also acknowledge imperfection I think (laughs) shockingly like if you've perfectly hit your calories every single day 
well to start with you haven't because of things like the thermic effect of feeding because of things like digestion how like your body doesn't absorb all of the calories and all of the food like absorption is different um energy usage in the thermic effect of feeding is different with the macronutrients and the micronutrients so breaking away from perfection like that's a big one as well I'd also look at food volume if you are not tracking, like making sure that you are looking at like the fruit and vegetables that you're getting in, the protein that you're getting in. And there's that really cool um, competition that we've got running in July to get as many plants in as you can um, each week, like 30 we know is optimal for gut health and overall digestion and just supporting health and well-being. So you can start by using things like that. If you're like, okay, I need some quantifiable data. What can I use here? Use the hunger scale and try and get 30 plants in this week. What do you mean by nourish or punish? (laughs) So I say quite a lot, don't I? Like ask questions. Is this nourishing me or is this punishing me? So example, um, say you you overate last night and you wake up this morning and you were like, oh, well, I over it last night. So what's the point of having breakfast? Is that nourishing you or is that punishing you? That's punishing you. And that's punishing you because you're trying to undo like the overeating. And actually the best thing you can do in those situations is nourish your body and eat breakfast, even if A, you don't feel hungry and, and B, you've got obviously the episode of overeating, but then get curious about that overeating. Understand why you overeat. Was it that you didn't eat enough in the day? So was it that you were already punishing yourself and then your body was then responding to that? Was it emotional dysregulation? Were you triggered? Were you bored? And getting curious about that and asking yourself those questions. And a nourishment is basically like, what will your future self thank you for? Another one to ask. Nourishing your body is respecting your body. It's doing what's right for your body mentally and physically with clear perspective knowing that you are not on this planet for your body knowing that people don't love you just for how you look and you start to then appreciate and this is why a lot of you work through body functionality because you start to then appreciate your body and be more accepting of your body so then you're responding with compassion and compassion saves you like compassion is is linked with consistency because if you're forever punishing yourself you're forever quote unquote off track So like you woke up this morning and punish yourself because like, oh, I ate too much last night. So no point in having breakfast. Well, then you're going to fall into a pattern of overeating later on today. Or because it's the weekend, you think, screw this. What's the point? I'll start again on Monday. That's punishment. And you're punishing yourself instead of getting curious as to why. And it's like if you were going out socially this weekend and it's like, oh, well, I'm going out tonight, so I'm not going to eat all day. Is that nourishing you or is that punishing you? That's actually punishing you because then what happens in the evening is you overeat and you eat past fullness. Then you feel guilty. Then you feel shamed. And then you wake up the next morning and think, oh, my God, I ate too much last night. I'm not going to not going to eat breakfast. You punish yourself again. So it's a punishment is directly linked to that yo-yo approach. Whereas nourishment takes you away from that. And again, it's imperfection, isn't it? But getting curious around the things that like you believe you need to be punishing yourself with. If you wake up bloated one day and you're like, what's the point of me going out tonight to see my friends? Like I'm bloated. Is that nourishing you? Are you then holding your whole entire worth on your body shape? And then you're isolating yourself. And then what's going to happen? You're going to find um, solace and, and, and comfort in food in the evening. So then you wake up the next morning and punish yourself, right? So it's how you it's respect for your body, basically. Um, next one. 
how to get more fiber in. Oh, I love fiber. I love it because it's one of those micronutrients, and I think it should be a macro, that it just isn't spoken about enough in like, quote unquote, fitness. Obviously, when you're looking at the evidence-based practitioners, and there are so many out there now, and the little echo chamber I've got is amazing, and I freaking love it. They're talking about gut health. They're talking about like general digestion. They're talking about how to support like that thriving state. And they're talking about things like reducing bloating, uh, things like longevity of your of your your well-being and that comes with like optimal nutrition and that comes with an inclusive diet not this removing of food and like if you if you've ever talked so sorry about that of course the post lady decided to come if you've ever been taught that say like quote unquote sugar is bad and you're avoiding sugar then you're probably going to be removing like apples, bananas, fruits, vegetables, because they all contain glucose. And actually, then what you do is avoid all of these amazing nutrients, these vitamins that are optimal for your body. But anyway, how to get more vibrant. Again, think about like, how can I get 30 different plants in this week? And that that's like nuts, seeds as well as spices um but something I like to do is like pair all of my meals with vegetables or with a side salad so you've got things like peas broccoli cauliflower and looking at as well like um the trays of Mediterranean vegetables they're great because you've got like peppers um courgettes onion and then you've got the the herbs that are in it as well um, like pairing that with maybe half a pack of rice and some protein. Um, like if you're having a yogurt bowl, adding some chai seeds and some some nuts on there. If you're having um, like a bagel for your lunch, can you pair it with some carrot sticks and pepper sticks and a bit of hummus? Um, if you're having some oats in the morning, can you put some nut butter on that? And again, can you put some chai seeds or some flax seeds on that? And it's looking at adding food in instead of removing food. And I know, and I completely appreciate like the, the cost of these things, but you can buy them in bulk. And I was actually having another conversation with a client this week and we we're talking about like uh, the pouches of lentils and, and the pouches of like uh, kidney beans, um, like the mixed beans that you can get. And I was like, yeah, I'd buy them because if I was to buy like dried ones, they would stay in the cupboard for eight years and I would never use them but they're so much better they're so much convenient and like in, in Asda okay they're a little bit more expensive than the dried ones but you can put them in the microwave for two minutes and they're great and some of them have got like oh, like four different types of beans in so half a pouch of them's got like seven grams of fiber and not getting all of your fiber from fiber ones <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to say that but it's just really interesting like I'll never forget one client and she's like, I've hit my fiber today. And she'd had it all in five ones. <laughs> um, and, and like snacking on fruit, like make one of your snacks fruit. So we know three meals a day, two snacks, make one of those fruit. So can you have a pear? Can you have a banana? Can you have an apple? Looking at the season fruit as well, because that tends to be a little bit cheaper. And then if you're having like stir fry, can you use the frozen peppers? Can you use the frozen onion, the frozen mushroom? So it's a little bit cheaper as well when you're adding these things into your into your meals and then topping it with things like sesame seeds and then seasoning things like that's going to help you with your fiber 
And that's going to help you then with a more diverse diet that's going to support your gut. So yeah, and also look in the vault because it's a fiber guide. Um, how to work through perfection with food, with good and bad food. Like I don't eat, like if I don't eat protein, I think screw this and then start again tomorrow. I think, honestly, I think food neutrality is the hardest thing to get on board with just because food labels are still around everywhere now. Like you can go to a restaurant and ask for the, the like healthy menu and it's all got like lighter options, which then puts food on a pedestal. And it's always like salads or something like that. And of course, let's not let's not deny there are more nutritionally dense foods than others. But we should not be avoiding food and we should not be categorizing food. But it's likely that you will still use this language for the rest of your life. Like. If I'm honest, I've probably said it like, but it's not acting upon it. So I might have said, or might have even thought like, oh, that's bad. No, I wouldn't have thought that. Or maybe like, shouldn't be eating this. Like maybe I've thought like that in the last like five years. Yeah, let, let's say it, let's, let's be realistic. I probably have thought like that. But then it's how you respond to that. So how you respond to, oh, I shouldn't eat that. Do you then eat it and then fall into a dichotomy of all or nothing? And with perfection, I think one of the biggest things to recognize is it doesn't exist. It's literally a perception of your thoughts. And realistically, you're not going to get protein in every day. So you, you can choose to act upon that. So you can choose to say, and this is where perfection trips everybody up it's an excuse and it's usually an excuse to just eat well how you want without respect to your body which is where that punishment it links back to that punishment that I spoke about whereby you can't sit with imperfection and it's likely that you criticize yourself and likely that you believe because you haven't been perfect you're not going to get results but actually if you look at it now objectively your perfection is stopping you getting results because your perfection is feeding the dichotomy the all or nothing and actually, if you said, if you got to the end of the day and said, I didn't have protein with one meal today. Okay, what did you learn from that? This is where reflection saves you. Where reflection is literally the most powerful thing in understanding why, learning, growing, setting intentions. Because you'll learn why you didn't get protein in with that meal. You'll understand maybe a trigger. You'll understand maybe it was an environment thing. Maybe it was a social thing. Okay, so what can you do tomorrow? Set your intentions. But you don't fall at a dichotomy of, oh, well, that's not, I, I've not had protein now, so I'll come home and eat wherever I want. Like, we shouldn't be having macronutrients on a pedestal anyway. Yeah, of course, protein is very, very important. Fiber is very, very important. But does that mean like when you've got on holiday, say I went to America in May, probably didn't hit baseline protein for 10, two weeks, 10 days, two weeks nothing bad happened but the damage comes if you can if you choose to act upon that 
whereby I said, well, what's the point? What's the point even thinking about my food today because I'm not going to get enough protein in? But that's a choice you make. So get curious. What does perfection mean to you? If, if you don't do it perfectly, then what comes up? Is it worth? Is it confidence? Is it that you struggle to sit with uncertainty of imperfection? And actually, what if you break that down? Like start by doing things imperfectly and you'll probably notice that you do things imperfectly anyway. Like, um, I don't know, have your breakfast 15 minutes later than you normally do. That's imperfect. Like, um, I don't know, be five minutes late to a meeting. That's imperfect. Nobody's going to remember it. These things would have happened to you before. Like, don't get up on your first alarm. Get up on your second. That's imperfect. <laughs> and you follow these things through probably for the, the vast amount of your life. But when it comes to nutrition, you believe you've got to be perfect with it. But actually, it's likely that you you struggle with consistency and you struggle with adaptability and flexibility and, and being open to a growth mindset. Because perfection keeps you in a narrow mindset. And, and just back to the bad, good and bad food and the labels. Again, it's not that you will ever, you'll, you'll, you won't stop using the, the language maybe, but it's always how you respond to that language. So if you're calling something bad, say, say you, I've just ate something bad and I shouldn't have ate that. If you're then bashing at your body and saying, right, I need to punish you now. I need to undo all of that. That's disordered eating patterns and disordered body image. That's not nourishment. Instead, right, okay, that was bad. Maybe I shouldn't have ate all that. Get curious, why? Why shouldn't you have ate all that? Well, I ate past fullness. Okay, why did you eat past fullness? Well, it was absolutely delicious. And I'm probably never going to have that again in my life. Okay, so what's the bad thing? What else did you gain in that? Well, connection with my partner, um, connection with my friends, like soul nourishing food. So why fall into an all or nothing? Or I shouldn't have ate all that. Um, That was bad. Right, okay. Get curious. Why? Why did you do that? Oh, well, this morning I was rushing and I missed a meal. And then work commitments were really, really high and I got home and I just couldn't meet society. So I ate past fullness. Right. Okay. So now you understand why. So what can you do tomorrow? Okay. You can get up and have breakfast. You can prepare yourself some overnight oats. You can prepare yourself a yoga bowl so that when you open the fridge in the morning, it's there. So it's how you respond to these things. And again, curiosity is so important. And reflection, reflect on it. Why? And then on good and bad food labels, reflect on why you hold food as being bad. And I actually had this conversation with somebody this week. And I was like, so, so why do you call what like what what context is is this bad food? And she was like, well, it causes weight gain. But any food causes weight gain. Like excess causes weight gain. You can literally eat too much vegetables and gain weight. And I did that in lockdown. Like I was purposely gaining weight, but nothing changed other than I made my portions bigger so I was eating more oats more vegetables more potatoes which everybody classifies as being good but I gained weight because I was eating an energy surplus and I think it's that like you don't eat anything in isolation like when people 
I did a reel on this when people say sugar is bad and I'm going to avoid sugar. So you're avoiding bag of Tate and Lyle. Right. Okay. Well done. But you're not spoon feeding yourself sugar. So when you hear it, you're like, oh, you gain more awareness. Like, oh, well, why do I think that chocolate's bad? And it might well be that you're calling it bad because once upon a time you lost control with that food and it was once upon a time trigger food. Get that. Did the same with pizza. Did the same with dark, uh, dark chocolate hobnobs. But it wasn't the food. It's not that the food is bad. It's that you were emotionally dysregulated. And again, until you get curious and you can understand why, you will always hold these labels. So I would journal on it. I would get pen and paper out and ask, ask yourself a few questions. Like, why do I feel certain food is good and bad? Where does that come from? Okay, and when you next hear these, these words and these labels, because you're building self-awareness now, of course you are, then stop in that moment and make a choice. Okay, oh, I hear that. That's, that's interesting. A little bit of curiosity coming into that. Okay, how can I help myself here? How can I nourish myself? Take some deep breaths. Allow the food if you want it, or check in with those emotions. Um, next question, last question. Why do I bloat more than my partner? I notice after a meal, I seem to bloat so much more than him. I mean... To start with, what you're probably doing is focusing on your stomach and his stomach and comparing, which is wrong. Um, a female's stomach is completely different to a male's. Right? And actually, like, our bladder, I'm sure our bladders are a bit smaller and, like, fill up quicker. Not only that, you've got a uterus there <laughs> that they haven't got. <laughs> And, and, and like, we're, we're not the same as men. We're not just small men. I hate that. But I think probably what you're doing is focusing way too much on the comparison instead of actually your body's digesting food for you. And if you're then just focusing on your, your stomach, you're going to be like, well, my stomach's bigger than yours. My stomach's bigger than yours. Well, why is that a bad thing? If your body's digesting the food that you've just eaten, and again, take into, take into account that your stomach's different to his. You have a uterus. Your bladder is in a different place to his. And that's completely normal. And bloating. I mean, it depends on the bloating, doesn't it? Painful bloating, we don't want, obviously. Or is it just that you're full from food and your body's digesting it and you're now focusing on your stomach? How often do you look at your stomach? How many times a day do you, you focus on your stomach and what it's doing? How much of your thoughts are consumed by that? Is that a life you want? And again, that's a choice, isn't it? So you can choose to sit and look at your stomach after you've ate food and be like, oh, I'm bloated, I'm bloated, I'm bloated. Or you can choose to move on with your day, knowing that some bloating is temporary and normal with digesting food. And I get that, though. I used to body check all the time, every mirror. I ate something, I was like, oh my God, you can see that cucumber. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh God, that was a terrible place, let me tell you. And actually now thinking about it, don't know how many times I look in the mirror. Probably not many. <laughs> 
Yeah, probably not many at all. Like, shockingly, there's more to life than how I look. Of course, I'm invested in in how I feel. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, how much of the body checking, how does that, how is that leaving you feel? Is that healthy for you? Is that something you want for the rest of your life? Again, probably not, right? So, yeah, I check in with that, like knowing that you are completely different and that your body is doing this amazing thing of digesting food, which is, in my opinion, phenomenal, right? Like that she has the capability to do that. And also that your partner's has the capability to do that. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. Um, so that's it. They were really cool questions this week, actually. Really, really cool. Um, so yeah, reach out with any messages, any questions. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>